there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey, Java junkies, in honor of my next guest, I want to ask you, how you brewing? I know that is super corny, but one of my new T4C fans just shared with me this morning that little expression because apparently there's a coffee shop in New York that has that as its slogan. And since my next guests are from NYC, I think it's appropriate. So whatever you're brewing today, grab your mug and take a chug because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guests today are two young entrepreneurs who want to motivate other Java junkies to stop thinking about brewing it and to start doing it because that is exactly what they've done. Michael and Mark Guberti didn't do what so many teenagers who want to earn a little extra money often do, which is to go the newspaper routes, the dog walking, lawn mowing, babysitting path. No, instead, they became social media strategists and started their own businesses as teenagers. Michael, who is the older of the two brothers, is the founder of Smart Business People Services, a full-service digital marketing agency empowering orthodontists, medical estheticians, plastic surgeons, architects, insurance providers, and other industries. He is the winner of the Best Marketing Campaign of the Year Award and Rule Breaker Award for teaching entrepreneurship at an accredited business university before he even enrolled in a college. While his brother Mark is also an entrepreneur, he's a digital marketer, a speaker, an author of dozens of books and 24 online courses, he'll correct me if I'm wrong, with tens of thousands of students who've taken these courses. And Mark, by the way, is still in college. He's a junior at Fordham University's Gabelli School of Business, majoring in finance. His mantra is that age is not a limit to success. Michael and Mark have also co-founded the nonprofit Guberti Giving Incorporated to support youth, veterans, and single mothers. So gentlemen, Mr. Guberti, the two Mr. Gubertis, how you brewing? We're doing amazing. Thank you for having us on the show. Happy to be here. I have to ask you the standard time for coffee question. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? We're definitely very energetic and eager. Awesome. (laughs) I can tell you something. We are ready to go and as excited as you are for this interview. Thank you so much, Michael. So I would actually like to start with Mark's mantra that age is not a limit to success. Mark, How old were you when you started down the path of becoming an entrepreneur? And where do you think that drive came from? I started my journey towards entrepreneurship when I was 11. And it initially just started as a hobby. I created a blog about the Boston Red Sox that evolved into a lot of different blogs until I really found my place with digital marketing because I wanted to help other people be able to drive traffic to their messages. And I think that 
the drive for me is I always think about my audience when I'm crafting a new piece of content. How can I provide more value to them? And having a sense of community around my content really allows me to keep in mind the people who I'm creating the content for. And I think it's my entire audience that really gives me the fuel to continue growing my content brand and always remembering to provide them with even more value. Michael, what about you? How old were you when you started down the path of becoming an entrepreneur? And where do you think your drive came from? It fortunately happened at about a simultaneous time period with Mark. So there was alignment, at least from the starting point, which was uh, positive because we could both grow together. And as to where the motivation arose, it would be to be a messenger for good people. Very often, the individuals I work with are both good individuals and they provide a quality service or product. So if it can help serve other people, then why not get the word out and do so in an effective, efficient way that can transform lives on every side of the interaction. So as I said in the introduction to the two of you, there are many, many teenagers who think about earning a little extra money, becoming entrepreneurs, and go more of the low-hanging fruit (laughs) route, whether it's a newspaper, mowing the lawn, doing odd jobs. Why digital and why social media? What was it about that that attracted the two of you? Well, digital marketing and just the whole concept of social media, you get put in front of a massive audience and I like you have a really strong impact. I feel like we all like we all feel really great when we're able to help others. And I feel like all of us want to help others. And with digital marketing, you're able to spread your message and help even more people. So it was these two mediums that allowed us to like spread our message, but also help others with spreading their messages, attracting more customers and just being able to get a lot more visibility. So this was something that my brother and I were both very passionate about. And it's something that a lot of people want help with as well. Michael? I would agree with that on grounds of scalability, flexibility that digital marketing affords to you. It allows for almost any opportunity or idea to come to pass. And quite originally, it for myself, I was doing a Mets blog when all of this began because I'm a New York Mets fan, true to my location. And I was putting a lot of time into the articles I was writing about who should be traded, who should the Mets get. And I figured people would find it interesting. So how can they read it if I think they would find it worth reading? So then it's a matter of how do you spread a message? And that is where a large part of this started. We're going to get into some of your recommendations for how Java junkies can spread their blogs, their messages, their content in a few minutes. But Mark, I want to raise a quote that you have featured in some of your social media posts. You've said, we all have great potential. We just need to unlock it. So how can Java junkies, 18 to 25 year olds, your peers, unlock their potential? Uh, One of the key things in unlocking your potential is first figuring out what exactly is it that you are trying to unlock? People have different definitions of what it truly means for them to be unlocking their full potential. For some people, it's scaling a successful business. For other people, it's getting to a really solid position in their career. So I would get really clear on what that means for you first. Then after you have that clear definition, write down all the action steps you can possibly take to move 
forward on that initiative. And then it finally just comes down to finding the time to make it happen. And when I say finding time, it's critical that you schedule your time on a calendar so you can say, okay, on uh, let's say Tuesday at 12 p.m., I'm doing this to advance myself and get myself closer to unlocking my full potential. So in recap, I just say defining it and getting clear on what you have to do to get there and when in each day you're going to do all these different activities to move yourself forward to unlocking your full potential. Suppose somebody is not good at breaking things down and putting them into those bite-sized pieces that they could then put on a calendar. How can you help them to take their idea and break it into bite-sized pieces? I think we start off with the bite-sized pieces that we currently understand. Because I feel like we get really micro with the bite-sized pieces and have an idea of what you have to do each and every single day to reach your goal. But if you're not able to think at that kind of a micro level, you can think like, big milestones, maybe hitting like big income goals on your way to the uh, big goal that you're after for a career. Maybe it means getting an internship. Maybe it means connecting with more people on social media. So identify the bigger milestones that you need to hit on your way towards the big goal that you're after. And then ask yourself, what are some of the things I can do to get myself closer to each individual milestone. So I feel like we're good at breaking some of the stuff down. It's just a matter of asking ourselves questions like, what can I do to achieve specific milestones on the road to the big goal? Which of your books, and tell me if I mischaracterized it in the introduction, you've written dozens, is that right? Yes. Which of your books do you think addresses that most closely? Well, I believe one of the books that addresses that the most is Content Marketing Secrets. And it is a content marketing book, but there's also a lot in there about developing habits and being able to set milestones and time and setting up your day. Because the reason I put that in the book is you could have all these different ideas and these different things you want to implement. But if you have no time, if you don't have good management of all the things that you're doing, then you're not able to get those things accomplished. So the beginning of Content Marketing Secrets is devoted towards how do I take these big goals, make them easier for me to accomplish, give myself milestones and be able to boost my productivity and find the time to make all of this happen. Michael, could you share with Java Junkies how you began to get your business off the ground. And I should say that Smart Business People Services is actually not your first business, right? That's correct. There have been a few iterations leading up to this point, and that alone could be a useful insight for your listeners in that what you start with may not be what you end with, but you can take the lessons you learn from an occupation or project and apply them to a future passion project of yours. So as to how I spread the word about my business, I look to A, use the abilities that digital marketing affords to me, and whether that's running ads or sending weekly emails or resending that email to the people who received it, just changing the subject line to see if different wording will entice a different response. That is one avenue. And also speaking, my brother and I are fortunate to speak at a few different conferences or to teams of individuals who want to learn this skill set. And in so doing, we spread our message through that medium. So how did you actually 
start your first business. Can you walk us through the steps? Yes. So if we were to localize that to two examples, one is the Smart Business People Services Digital Marketing Agency. I had questions coming in from people who wanted to know, how do you get more Twitter followers? Or how do you increase engagement of your email list? Or how do you get more Instagram likes and comments per post? So I worked to answer those questions. And I said, so you can either apply these strategies. And if you have any questions about as you're doing it, feel free to come back for further feedback. Or if you'd like somebody to do it for you, I have this done for you service. So it's presenting both options to them. Some people may want to hack their way through it and DIY it, which is completely understandable. They're just going to be looking for tactics that work. So you play to the desire. Other people are very hands off. And that probably goes to the mindset of an entrepreneur would say, focus on your greatest strength. If you're an orthodontist, straighten teeth. You shouldn't be wondering how to increase your Pinterest engagement. That should be somebody else's job. So that, And it, it does make sense in that you're creating an all-star team where everybody does what they're best at, not having to relearn something that could have a three-year learning curve as an example. That would be the digital marketing agency. The second is Guberti Giving, which is our nonprofit. And that's just driven out of a desire to help our three audiences of interest, youth, single mothers, and veterans. We've done that for what's going on half a decade. Mark, you are still in school. As I mentioned, you're a junior at Fordham's Gabelli School of Business. How do you juggle your schoolwork with the book writing? Before we started this interview, you mentioned you have, you've just done your first audio book. You have yet another book coming out, which we'll get into a little bit later. How are you able to use the time that you have so efficiently that you can do all of these other activities? Well, one of the key elements of that is that we all have 24 hours in a given day. The way we utilize those times really matter. But one of the things that I want to touch upon is that with the school schedule, it's very clear what times of day you have to be inserting classes. So like one of the things about entrepreneurship, and this may be one of the only downsides to it, is that it's a blessing and a curse. You are in full control, which means like you can like sometimes move things around on the schedule. But with the school schedule, like you have to be at a set location at a set time. So there's a lot of in between time that I use to grow my business. But it's a matter of also like setting the flags and your time and saying, okay, on Tuesdays, for instance, I'm going to do all of my content creation for my podcast and just batching all of your different activities into certain days. I think one of the things that really prevents people from being able to accomplish all these different goals with a school schedule with, I mean, other people have a nine to five schedule. That's like a bigger time investment than college. I think what really holds a lot of people back is that they are not getting clear on when they need to be doing their goals. And more importantly, they're giving themselves too many decisions. I don't ask myself, do I do the podcast episode? Do I write the book? Do I do the marketing? I set very specific times that I do each of those things. Like as I mentioned on Tuesdays, that's my recording day for my solo podcast and where I'm creating a lot of content. But towards the end of the week, those are the days that I devote towards marketing. So I feel like if you have a really strong system in place where you are batching your activities and putting them into certain days and setting times that are, I mean, that you take as seriously that you show up and you do work every day, just like going to a school class at like a certain time of day at a certain location, 
that's how you find the time to juggle all these different things together. And it also matters who you surround yourself with because you are the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. That's an interesting thought. Where where did you pick that up? Is that some research that you've read or is that just your own experience? The thought was originally coined by Jim Rohn, who said you're the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. And ever since I read that quote, like I feel like there are so many people who I've had on my podcast, like that quote seems to come up again and again. And I thought about it. And the moment I started the Breakthrough Success podcast, I was surrounding myself. And I know you noticed too, because like with a podcast, you get around so many wonderful people. But I was surrounding myself with people who were achieving some massive success. And I saw myself achieving more success because I hosted the Breakthrough Success podcast. I was surrounding myself with people who were doing incredible things. So I feel like I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives. And I feel like the moment you hear that phrase once, you just start to see it in action in your everyday life. That is so true. And I have to say that is one of the fringe benefits of doing Time for Coffee and getting to interview interesting, exciting people such as the two of you, Mark and Michael, is that no matter how old my guests are, I feel that I am getting so much out of this because of your life experiences, the lessons that you've learned, the experiences that you've had, and they just fill you up. They really do. Definitely. I mean, I see that as well, but it's very, like podcasting is one of the best things you could possibly do. Michael, you have obviously made a choice in your professional life to date to work for yourself rather than going to work for other entrepreneurs or other businesses or other organizations. Do you think that you have missed out on any best practices that you would have gleaned had you worked for other companies? Is that something that you're considering doing at some point? You know, it's interesting as to what most individuals do relative to if you the employee entrepreneur dynamic. I think that certain people are right for both roles, perhaps even at different times of their life. But I only gave myself one option personally. So and it was this one. So from that point forward, it was a matter of not do I want to do this, but how am I going to make this work? And what do you think the downside if any, have been as a result of not working in another organization? There are pros and cons. So if we were to look at what did I miss, some items of interest could be the ability to relate to people if there's some office politics going on. <laughs> right. If, if someone said, oh, I'm not being this, they're not treating me fairly because of X, Y, and Z. I don't know if I would be able to relate to that because I am not in their position. Conversely, I can relate to somebody who is constantly thinking about how to improve their product or market their product even after work hours end because very often you hear entrepreneurship 24-7. You're always thinking about how to take it to the next level. Whereas with the employee dynamics, some people say when the workday ends, they switch to a different thought process. So I would say each experience gives you a unique perspective. Are you finding that to be a challenge when the workday ends unplugging? Does your workday end at a reasonable hour? That's a great question. And the answer varies for so many 
different business owners for myself. I have a meditation practice. So for 20 minutes every night, I make sure to put the blue screens away and just be in my self and thoughts for a little less than half an hour. And I find that that really affords you a, a calmness of mind that can even carry itself throughout the next day. And so is that your signal to yourself that the work life is ending now and now I'm moving into the after work hours? As to transitions, I would say that it's to that point, it signals to me the day has ended, at least in so far as you're going to take the next 1,800 seconds to be silent and allow the brain to rest because it's worked hard today. And then tomorrow, it'll be rejuvenated enough to go do it again. Mark, you have written a new series of books. I'm not sure how many there will be in this series. I know that there are at least two to help Java junkies and others grow their influence. Your first book, was entitled Content Marketing Secrets, How to Create, Promote, and Optimize Your Content for Growth and Revenue. And I want to share one of the reviews you got on Amazon with our Java junkies. This person said, I've been in content marketing for a decade now, helping build one of the largest online communities of religious leaders on the net. But when I read Mark's book, I wrote down a bunch of things I either hadn't learned yet or had simply forgotten. From the basics to the expert level advice you need to take your content marketing to the next level, Mark's book is an absolute must-have if you're in the blogging, publishing, online marketing industry. Mark, was your learning process in writing this book and becoming an expert in content marketing trial and error? Did you read a lot of other books? How did you develop your expertise? That's a pretty good question. And I'd say it's a mix of everything that you said. I mean, with the trial and error, like I've hosted virtual summits. I've done a lot of different things that I mentioned in the book. In some cases, I was very successful. In other cases, not so much. But that trial and error allowed me to get better at my craft and help others get really good at their craft. So it was a lot of trial and error. The Breakthrough Success podcast really helped because I got to interview so many people and ask them the questions where I didn't necessarily know all the answers to them right away. And it's a perfect situation because I knew that I framed my questions in a way where I'm the client, the guest is the consultant, and my questions end up being a lot of the listeners' questions as well. And I do have a lot of books that I read on content marketing. They're at a peak. I was able to read 30 books in one month. Um, I've lowered that down a little bit now where I read anywhere from five to 10 books per month. But just to recap, I'd say I consume a lot of knowledge, whether it's books, training courses, blog posts, and free content. I mean, there's so much free content on the web. Like with the web, I feel like there's fewer excuses that we can possibly come up with for why we're not taking action. But I learned a lot. I implemented what I learned, which is a big thing that I try to help more people do as they read through content marketing secrets. And then through trial and error, I was able to come up with better conclusions that I now use to grow my business even more. How is this book relevant for Java junkies who may not have their own business? Where would you say the most useful parts of that book are for those Java junkies? 
Well, at the beginning of the book, I mentioned a lot of things about productivity and how to schedule all the things you have to do in a given day. So the life management is there where you're able to manage how you're using the time in your day, which I feel like is an important skill regardless of your profession. But even if you don't have a business yet, and you may be thinking about starting one, the Content Marketing Secrets gives you an overview of some of the things that you can possibly do to get started. And some people, they even just view content marketing as a hobby. So they may just want to learn how to get more people to see my content. So I'd say it has a lot of different value to a lot of different people. But of course, the uh, the book was obviously written for the content marketer who really wants to spread his or her presence. But It can benefit any audience group. Michael, when you started or at least began to think about starting your own business, how did you get your first client and how did you decide to focus on the niche that you did? The first client I had, apart from serving any of my family members with tech questions or how can we get this pop-up to display on the website outside of my family. This was a individual I knew for years and they were looking for social media assistance. And it was originally a casual conversation of, oh, you're looking to increase your followers on this platform? You know, I might want to try these three different things. That created the conversation. Oh, you know about this? Yeah, I'm familiar with the topic. I've been able to grow some audiences. Oh, really? Why don't we sit down? It was interestingly, if you just break that down, value where they had a question and I was able to supply an answer in a casual conversation, which created a professional correspondence, which has continued for going on two plus years at the minimum. Has either one of you ever found your youth to be a deterrent in your own entrepreneurial ventures? I mean, just before I go deep into your question, I'll like segue back into it. But I'd say like being young and starting young, you're going to become more successful if you start young. And I feel like it's really great to start young with all the opportunities it provides. It's just, I mean, so much easier to do that. But I wouldn't say I viewed my age as a deterrent, but there are people who may not take you as seriously in the beginning because of your age. I mean, I've heard of people who they are about to get the book deal lined up with a publisher, but just because this person was either 13 or 14 years old, that publisher said no to the deal. And that was a publisher who had previously said yes to the deal. So this is a question that I actually have been getting a few times where it's great to start young because you've got your whole life ahead of you. But there are some people who may not take you as seriously in the beginning to overcome that. You just have to ignore those people who do not take you seriously and just focus on providing value to your audience. Focus on the people who you are here to help, not on the people who are throwing rocks at you. And by focusing on the right people, you're able to establish a strong community regardless of your age. And when people are able to come across life-changing value that transforms their business, transforms their personal or professional life, I don't think they care about how old the person was giving their advice as long as they got the end result. That is such great advice. You have to, I think it goes back to your earlier point, Mark, about surrounding yourself with the five people who are really going to kind of keep you in the zone and keep you driving forward towards achieving your dreams. 
Yeah, definitely like go back to that five, you're already averaging the five people you surround yourself with. And the good and bad people can be like pretty close together, but you got to pick the good people who are going to level you up. For sure. So gentlemen, I want to ask both of you for Java junkies who are interested in becoming entrepreneurs, what recommendations do you have for them, both as things they should be studying while they're still in school? And what about even majors? I know, Michael, you majored in marketing, whereas Mark, you're majoring in finance. So each of you just jump in. I would say that combine traditional education with self-education. That can actually give you the ultimate education, interestingly. So if I would use your traditional school to pick a concentration, a subject matter that you find interesting, that if you could align that with perhaps the organization you go to is really good at teaching this subject, and you've seen some of the individuals who teach it, and you, you feel an alignment with that, and you feel they're informative, I would leverage that capability so long as you are actually interested in it. And I think that should be the first thing you ask. What am I interested in? And what would I want to think about for the next 10 years if I had to focus on one subject and then look to major or concentrate on that? That would be the traditional side. But the self-education is where you could go in and try to think about what you want to do and then give yourself a project with a deadline for it. So if you want to learn market, say, I'm going to build a website in the next 30 days. If you want to run a campaign, I'm going to get into the Instagram ad dashboard and run a campaign for this type of product or service and see what response I get. That way you can marry traditional and self-education and get the ultimate education. Mark, what about you? I would say like Michael brought up a lot of good points. I would say think about what you're self-educating yourself and then think about what kind of traditional education you want. So I'm a finance major because like I want to learn how the numbers work. I want to learn how to be able to manage my money while the reason I'm not a marketing major is because I have a problem with a marketing topic. I just have someone as a guest on the Breakthrough Success podcast ask a few questions and provide my audience with value all at the same time or I just go back to the library that I'm sort of building up with hundreds of books on it and go through some of those marketing materials. So like the self-education with marketing, I'm solid in that, but I want to be able to grow my knowledge from the finances. And that's why I chose the finance major to leverage the traditional education to make that possible. Are there any other, let me call them extracurricular activities that you're involved in? And we will get to Guberti giving in just a moment. But any other things that you do for fun that you think are actually helping you in your professional aspirations? I am a runner for Fordham, so I get a lot of exercise that way. So I think like with exercise, that's one of the most critical things you can do to boost your productivity and achieve all the results that you're going after. Like my brother also exercises, so you could definitely talk a lot about that. But it's just like exercising a little bit every day. I go out for like one to two hours each day. But even if it's just like five to 10 minutes can really make a big difference. So I'd say exercise is my big extracurricular. Michael? I would agree with that because it's something I do daily. 
optimize what you've been given, which is your body. If you feel good, you're going to perform good. So if you can find a particular form of working out that you enjoy, I like yoga. So here we have the two dynamics. You have a division one runner here who goes 10 miles a day, usually on average, sometimes more. And then you have a guy who's comfortable in downward facing dog doing warrior <laughs> three. I would say that you got to pick what style you like and then... You can also use that time to listen to podcasts on a subject you're trying to increase your expertise in so that you know you're going to be doing upper body workouts for 20 minutes. Why don't you just get your phone and play a podcast you really like or that can teach you something that's going to stay with you for the whole time you're working out so you can enhance the body and the mind in the same amount of time. That actually is the reason why I started with an audio podcast and not going into the YouTube videos at this point because I've also found that multitasking, whether it's cleaning the house, walking the dog, running errands, it's a great way to listen to a topic that you enjoy and use that free time. I agree. If you can optimize something where the body is going on automatic or that you've done it so many times you could do it in your sleep, but you could also feed the mind then you're being very efficient with your time. Michael and Mark, I've now alluded a few times to the nonprofit Guberti Giving that you started. Could you share with Java Junkies why you wanted to start this nonprofit and what Guberti Giving does? Yes. So the purpose of this is to empower youth, single moms, and veterans. And I do, I would give great credit as always to my mother who said, no matter what you do, make sure you give to other people. So we've been doing this for four plus going on five years where at some point in time during the year, we're holding a workshop for one of those three audiences. And we've been fortunate to have people walk out of those workshops transformed to the point where they're willing to say it in front of us and in front of a camera. And we check back in on them. So much to the point where they remember the lessons that they were informed of months or years later after the fact. And that for us is the reward of transformation in the life of another person, which is leaving a legacy in many ways because you can positively impact people years even after you're gone. Because if you teach someone to believe in themselves, then if they have a family, they're going to teach their son or daughter to believe in themselves. And that can carry on through generations so that that impact lives on and almost becomes immortal. So that that's who we serve, why we serve them, and why we're going to continue to serve them. Mark, why did you pick those three groups of people, youth, veterans, and single mothers? Well, we picked those groups of people because they're groups of people who we want to help and we can relate to a little bit. We're like teens we can relate to very much. Our grandpa was, a, he served in the Navy, so we want to help vets. And the single moms, like, we know some single moms, so we want to help them as well. No, oh, that's just wonderful. And we'll make sure to include in our show notes for Java Junkies, if they want to support Guberti Giving, where they can go to do that. Final time for coffee question here, gentlemen. If you would, I recognize that you're both quite young, but you've been in the working world now for a number of years. If you would, I try to ask all Time for Coffee guests if they could share with other Java junkies a time in their professional life when they hit a rough patch. 
scratch when, whether it was working for a challenging supervisor or boss, whether they got fired, whatever it was, and how they dealt with that particular roadblock and managed to get to the other side. So Michael, why don't we start with you and then Mark, if you want to jump in. Well, we can relate that to the digital marketing agency, Smart Business People Services. So if it's in the middle of the summer and everybody's busy going on vacations, coming from vacations, going to events, and meanwhile, you are at home doing your tagging and adding pixels to websites and building out your landing page and trying to put the video on the opt-in page and hoping that the wording on your ad converts individuals to take a response. And you've been working on this for a couple hours and you're 80% done. And it's been a few weeks where you haven't heard from somebody, not as many inquiries are coming in as during the non-summer months. That's when you need to remind yourself that the diligence you're putting in now can reward you in the future, that you're planting seeds and you're going to reap a harvest later on. Don't get discouraged when the seed is in the ground growing because you have to remember it's going to come out a tall, victorious plant at the end. So I would say keep working and commit yourself to the word daily because if you're going to do something, you got to do it every day. Mark, what about you? Has there been a time in your professional life to date when you've hit some kind of a hurdle and had to find a way to get to the other side? I'd say it's when I was hosting the Content Marketing Success Summit, all the prep work that led up to that summit and a few things happening in the background that really had a toll on me. So like just being able to not just organize my first virtual summit, but to get through all the background stuff. So I'd say like when you are pursuing this big project, but you have some kind of energy drain for some reason, it just really comes back to tapping into your why. And for me, that was to provide value to my audience. And the moment I focused more or my audience and less about the things that I was going through, it was easier for me to do all the work to make the Content Marketing Success Summit a great event for all of the attendees. Mark and Michael, I want to say sincerely thank you so much for making Time for Coffee with me and the Time for Coffee community today. You are both remarkable young men and I have such tremendous admiration for what you have achieved at this point in your life. You have far surpassed, I have to say, Mark, the number of books I could ever aspire to writing in my entire life. I have not written one and I'm 54, uh, let alone all of the online courses, the businesses that you've built. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And again, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yes, likewise. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.